Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. You know, as we continue in on this series, that the most wonderful time of the year, I, I wanted to take just a few moments today and, and acknowledge the fact that for many, this feels far from the most wonderful time of the year. And if we're not careful, we, we create this unintentional pressure, right? That you have to live and feel like you're in this Norman Rockwell kind of Christmas painting that you see up here, you know, where even the dog is happy and everything is good. And we know the reality, that's not reality when we live in a fallen world. And as I look out over today, I'm reminded during this season, even in our Lex City family, there are some of you that are walking through a season, it feels far, far from the most wonderful time of the year. There's been some loss over this last year that's just been heightened during this Christmas season. And as you look around, things will be a little bit different this Christmas than times past. We've had relationships that have been broken, creating in this time a sense of just loneliness and isolation during this season. Sickness, right, disease, some of, even in our own church family. It's been devastating this last year, and that heaviness of what that means is, is so significant. All of us are facing the reality of the economics of our world, right? For some, this Christmas isn't going to be quite all that we had hoped it would be and all the things that we could hope that we could do together as we go. And for many, there's unspoken, hidden things that you're carrying that nobody else knows. And so I, I just want to acknowledge that today as we kind of roll through and say, I'm sorry for that. I wish I could give you a quick prayer and a one, two, three, and make that kind of hurt and those feelings go away. But that is not the case. And it shouldn't surprise us, right? The very Christmas story, the very Christmas message was, was really birthed out of times of struggle. I mean, think about the birth of Jesus and the time that it took place. It was far from this Norman Rockwell kind of painting and the circumstances that was, that was there. Jesus was born in the midst of a time of struggle and oppression and isolation. And in all of that, Jesus comes, we'll see today, the prophet says, to be a light to help us in the midst of consuming darkness that fills us and that is all around us. So I just want to encourage you today to just take the pressure off yourself, right? You don't have to be a Norman Rockwell painting during this season, it's okay to not be okay for a season, even if it's the Christmas season. So can we agree on that together to just take a breath and, and let God meet you where you are at? Because that really is a fact. When Jesus came, he came to meet not only our physical needs and our spiritual needs and our emotional needs, and he came, we're going to see today again, to be the light in the midst of the darkness of the world that surrounds us. How do we know this to be true? Because the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ, said that it would be so. And he said that the birth of Jesus would happen. And so this week, I want to continue on our look at that Old Testament prophet Isaiah and again, be reminded of the depth of this wonderful Christmas season. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you would turn me to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. If you've got your phones, again, fire them up to lexcity.info, all the sermon notes, everything you need to know about the Christmas season, our schedules, all of that's on lexcity.info. So make sure you don't miss it. So let me give you just an overview where we're heading the next couple weeks. And this is going to conclude this year with Christmas Eve service. It'll really be the last 
preaching time of this series because Christmas Day again falls uh, on that Sunday. So Christmas Eve will be our service for that, uh, for that weekend. And Isaiah is going to say to us and remind us 700 years before it happens that the Messiah is going to come. Here's what he says, to an unexpected place to an unexpected people with an unexpected plan that will involve an unexpected person leading to an unexpected response. It's the power of Isaiah 9. We're going to see these next few weeks. And all of these things, 700 years before, Isaiah says, let me tell you about it. So today I want to look at those first two. I want to look at an unexpected place and an unexpected people. So let me give you a little context as we jump in because it's so important. Isaiah chapter 9 that you have an idea of what's happening. If you remember last week, we looked at Isaiah chapter 7 as we went in, and Isaiah goes to the king to prophesy to the king, and he knows the king's heart's going to be hardened, so he prophesies this not only to the king, but he prophesies it to the entire kingdom. He says this, he says, if you don't repent, turn from your wicked ways, the Lord will bring judgment on you, and he's going to bring it by an oppressive nation that's going to come. And last, year, last week we saw that that nation was going to be the Assyrian Empire. And if you saw a little picture, let me give you the map one more time this week. Assyria to the north, gathering its power, and you'll see down at the bottom, nation of Israel divided into two tribes, northern tribe known as Israel, southern tribe known as Judah, that's there. And Isaiah is going to say, listen, if you don't repent, this army's coming. And in chapter 8, the very last verse, he says, let me tell you emotionally what this conquest is going to mean to you. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And pay attention to this imagery that Isaiah gives us all the way back in in the Old Testament. He gives us imagery and this contrast between light and darkness. And we're going to see a theme all throughout Scripture And really, this whole Christmas theme, we talk about the light. This is where it all began originally. Isaiah chapter 9, this kind of imagery between the two things that are happening. So Isaiah says, listen, this is going to be not the most wonderful time of the year. If you don't repent, let me tell you what's coming your way. It's going to be gloom and anguish and thick darkness. Israel, you're going to be conquered. Your people are going to be removed from your land, and you're going to be put into exile. But just like we're going to see today, like Isaiah did in chapter 7, he says, in the midst of all of this, I'm going to give you a sign, a sign that's going to remind you that God has not forgotten you, that God is your deliverer, and that he will deliver you. In chapter 7, Isaiah said, what will be the sign? There's going to be a child born of a what? Born of a virgin, if you were here last week. He says, this will be the sign that God's going to have. That God will deliver you in such a way. So when all hope is lost, listen, when you're conquered, this is tough stuff, when your city is desolated and you and your family have been taken captive, when the night is the darkest, one of my favorite words in all the Bible shows up, and that's how we start chapter 9. Let's look. Chapter 9, verse 1. The key word is what? But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. But God, right? When God shows up in the midst of your circumstances and your struggles, everything changes. Gloom and anguish and darkness will dissolve. And Isaiah makes this promise that the way things were and the way things are will not be the way things someday will be. So don't lose hope, he says, be reminded, that the Messiah will bring light into the darkest places. And all throughout Scripture, again, I want to come back to this theme, light and darkness. All throughout Scripture, we see this contrast. 
Jesus uses these words a little bit in um, John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And today Isaiah tells us, not only, this is what's great, he's going to not only tell us where this light will appear, but he's going to tell us to whom it will. And the answer to both of these questions we're going to see today was completely unexpected. This is not where anybody was looking for the Messiah to arrive, to minister, or even to the people. So here's the first one today we're going to look at. It's an unexpected people. Now, if you're going to set up, a think about this, if you were God and you were going to set up a kingdom here on earth, a place of great influence, there's only one city in all of Israel you would think of. It's obvious, right? The city would be Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it's geographically protected. It's, it's not one of the border cities to the north or to the south. It's somewhat inland along those ways. It's the religious hub. Everybody who is educated, all of the social influencers are there. Uh, that's where they all reside in Jerusalem. I mean, it's like a Capital One commercial. This is the easiest decision, right? Jerusalem. Everybody knows it. This is where it's all going to happen. But the birth of Christ was far from easy, and it was far from predictable. And we're going to see this on. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and in the land of Nephtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, and Galilee of the nations. He gives us these two things. He says, this is where the Messiah is going to appear. It's going to be in the land of Zebulun and in the land of Nephtali. Now, these are just the names of two tribes that resided in the northern part of Israel. And so let me just give you the picture again, the map, so you can see it. So if you look here on the map, um, Nephtali, you'll see that the top is in the orange, and, and Zebulun is in the purple that's there. What I need you to put in your mind is these are the northern side, and if you were attacking into the nation of Israel, where are you going to come? You're going to come right into this very area. So the Assyrian armies, when they attack, are coming right through these. It has not changed through the history of times. When the Babylonians come after the Assyrians, you want to know the first two tribes they come after? They come right through Naphtali and Zebulun. You can see why it's the easiest route into everything. Every conquering nation did. Now think about the context. What do we know about war-torn countries? If you live in these two tribes, in these two areas, that every single conquering army comes through you, there's something that takes place. These are the places... Places where the people who are taken into captivity and slavery are taken first, and they're released last. These are the folks whose lands and the crops are destroyed first. Their land is laid barren the longest. In these contexts, there's no ability to create infrastructure and peace and tranquility that's there. And so we know infrastructure isn't even existent. The result, the people in all the places, they are the poorest, the most uneducated, they are the most religiously and ethnically um, unpure as they go. Worn, torn countries we know are places of great hopelessness and darkness because it repeats the cycle over and over. We see it today, right? Go to Ukraine. It's the city of Maripol, right? Russians conquered first. They're still in there inhabiting. I mean, it's a place where hope is lost, darkness rises all around. So when you live in a constant threat of war, it has an impact on your heart, and it has an impact on your faith. It's the context of what we're going to see. And Isaiah says, listen, 
The Messiah is going to come. <laughs> he's not coming to Jerusalem where everybody thinks he's going to come. He's, he's going to come to the darkest place. He names these two tribes. And this is not only where, where the Messiah is going to come, but think about this. This is where Jesus, this is the region of Galilee, does most of his earthly ministry. When he launches into his ministry to change the world, where does he start? Not in Jerusalem. He starts in the darkest places of the world. Matthew chapter 4 says it this way. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of the Zebulun and the Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Matthew is saying, I'm telling you what Isaiah said 700 years before about Jesus and where he was going to come the Messiah. I'm telling you it's true. He says, let me quote the prophet for you, verse 15, in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, and on them a light was dawned. For that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew says, I believe the prophecy, so I'm, I'm giving it to you once again. So Jesus went to the wrong side of the tracks to spread his message of what? Of hope and love and repentance. And rather than be celebrated, like we do Mother Teresa, who went to the hardest and most difficult places, what happens to life? He's mocked for it, right? What good can possibly come out of Nazareth? Why would anybody go to such a place? And, but this is where Jesus says go. Let me just give you one more map because I'm in the ma mood for maps today. If you look at the top part here, this is all the places that Jesus ministered. And if you look at the very top, you have the Sea of Galilee. Over to the left is Nazareth. He did more miracles in the region of Galilee than he did anywhere else in his entire ministry life. Why? It was an unexpected place. It was the darkest of places. There's no hope here. There's no infrastructure here. There's no influencers here. This is a war-torn people who have been beat down over and over. It was an unexpected place. And number two, it was an unexpected people. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Not only were these people born on the wrong side of the tracks, but Isaiah prophesies that if you don't repent, the Lord's going to send his judgment. It's going to come through two conquering nations. It's going to come first through Assyrians, and then it's going to come through the Babylonians. And in 2 Kings chapter 15, we're told that when the Assyrians attacked, they not only defeated the area, but they took the Israelites captive, and they removed the Jews from the land. And here's what's crazy. They sent Gentiles from their region to repopulate the northern part of the kingdoms. Let me show you that picture one more time because, again, I'm in the mood for maps. So if you look there in the orange, Assyrians take Gentiles to fill Israel back up with a population because they have removed the population that's there. Now let that sink in for a moment. So at the time of Jesus' ministry, the Gentiles who were in the northern kingdom were actually, many of them were remnants from the Assyrians who had pushed non-wanted Gentiles into their territory. You want to know why there was such hate and such distrust between the Jews and the Gentiles? It wasn't simply religious differences. It was cultural differences all the way back from the conquering of the Assyrian Empire. And this, this is the place that God sends the Messiah first 
to this kind of circumstance. <laughs> but what I remind you today, and I share these two things, is because the prophecy of Isaiah doesn't just give us logistics. It gives us the heart of God. Say, how does God think about me? And how does God think about you? And how does God think about his message of love and repentance of hope? That God came for the undeserving, the forgotten, for those who were lost in the most darkness, ultimately that God came for you and he came for me. And I just want to point that out this morning because I don't want us to miss that truth. You know, in our modern thinking, modern logistics, we would say certainly the Messiah, right, should have gone and should have done, Jerusalem should have been the hub, right? All the influencers are there. That's where it is. That's where the educated, the religious leaders, the A crowd, everything is happening in Jerusalem. But again, that was not God's plan because he wanted to go to an unexpected place to an unexpected people. And he wanted to remind us this, that the grace of God is not given to those who are the most deserving. That the grace of God is given simply to those who will repent and humble themselves. And your heavenly father says, I'm going to go to the darkest place there is. There is the most turmoil, the most unrest, and the most hurt. And the power of this kind of plan is this, was what I love. That if something dramatic happens, and the beauty is only God gets the glory for what we're going to see and what really happens. The gospel was not about the power and the purity of Jerusalem. The gospel was not about how educated people were and how much religious degrees that they had. The gospel is all about how light showing into the darkest places and changed everything. And you may have experienced that. I've got friends who are far from God, and sometimes jokingly, but I think there's a little bit of truth. They'll, they'll say things like this, man, God can never love me or God can never forgive me. I think I've shared it before. I can't even walk in your church or it would burn down because I know my past. I know the hurt I've caused. I know the relationships I've just shattered. I, I know all the things that nobody owes. I've made so many mistakes that God can never forgive me. And their idea is like this, like there's this percentage, right? There's this percentage of badness. And once the badness gets, oop, at this point, you're gone, right? I don't know where that is, but once it is there, and so many times they feel that they're there. And at those moments, I'm so grateful God doesn't work on the percentage. Like once you get past 40%, it's over. And I'm always reminded of the example of, of Saul of, of Tarsus in the New Testament. If there was a percentage, Saul of Tarsus was doomed because Saul wasn't at 40. He's probably down there about the 11 or 12%. If you're not familiar with the Saul story of Saul, Saul, who eventually becomes the Apostle Paul that we read about in the New Testament, first was known as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul hunted down Christians, tore apart families, imprisoned people who claimed that Jesus was the Messiah. Saul was a man whose heart was black with vengeance and hatred and pride, and yet somehow God, in the midst of the darkest of all souls, meets Saul on the road to Damascus, right, and brings light into the darkness of his very heart. And Saul is saved, becomes now known as the Apostle Paul, and writes writings that impact generations that 2,000 years later, we read more and teach more out of the Apostle Paul than any other one who's written in Scripture. And he writes these powerful words about who Jesus the Messiah is in the book of Philippians. So let me just read them for you this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Have this in mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, God's plan originated in an unexpected place with an unexpected people so that the glory would not be shared with the schemes of man. I don't need the schemes of man and the purity of Jerusalem to fulfill what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring a light to the darkest place on earth and see what love and grace and forgiveness can do. (laughs) And I just encourage you today that that may be where God has found you, and that may be even where you're feeling a little bit today. There's just a darkness in my heart that I'm not sure God can penetrate and God can meet. And if that's the case, can I remind you again, not only of Saul, but can I just remind you that the message that was told almost 3,000 years ago by the prophet Isaiah is true for us today. That you and I can find hope in the Messiah. That the words that Isaiah preached to the king and the kingdom are the same that are preached to us today, and that's simply this, that the way things were, the way things are, are not the way things have to be. But God entered in to the equation. And the Messiah, he says, is coming to an unexpected people. And then again, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And all throughout scripture, it's this contrast between light and darkness. And you know what's interesting about darkness is we don't create darkness. Darkness only exists in the absent, absence of light. I didn't tell the team, hey, flip the darkness switch and darkness will come. Listen, darkness lingers, darkness looms, and whenever light is not there, it rushes in as quickly as it can to consume everything. And there's power in darkness. Darkness creates shadows that make things that are small feel really, really big. Darkness takes what's innocent and makes it feel dangerous. See, darkness, it it feeds on our deepest fears and our deepest insecurities. And it'll always be present when light doesn't exist. So how do we get rid of the darkness? Well, we simply introduce light into the equation. You see, when darkness is exposed to light, it quickly flees, it it quickly runaways. They they can't coexist in the same place. And That's the power of what one little small light can do, no matter how dark the area is that it's impacting. (laughs) Today, in a big room like this, I 
just lit one little light and somehow it made you feel a little bit more at ease. The comfort that comes. And this is what Isaiah says, that the Messiah came to bring light into the darkest places of our lives. And you know, you may be here today and that's part of your story. Like, there's just a, there's an emptiness, there's a darkness in my life. There's, I've been trying to fill it with so many things and I just can't get there. And I feel like on that scale, maybe I, I'm not good enough that God could ever love me. And today, may you hear the words of Isaiah in a new and a fresh way. That the reason the Messiah came was to meet you in your darkest place. God didn't say to Saul of Tarsus, Saul, man, clean yourself up. Man, go to the temple 21 times in a row. And then once you get there, then, then I'll come into your life and bring light and save you. No, he says, Saul, if you'll humble yourself and repent, I'll bring light into the darkest parts of your soul and forever change you. And that's his story. Today, I just want to invite you, maybe that can be your story today. If you've never come to a place where you've invited the, the light of Jesus into your life, into some of those places, I want to invite you to consider that today. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to, we've got a few moments here at the end, and I want to just take some time. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing, and our prayer team is going to come down during that song. And if that's you today, and you say, I've got questions or... Man, I just need the light of Jesus in my life. I want to invite you just to come down, talk with folks, let them pray with you, answer questions that you have. And today may be your Saul, <laughs> turn to Paul kind of day. You know, for many of us, we've, uh, we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ at some point. He's come in and he's saved us. But there's this funny thing. The difference between Jesus just saving us and Jesus being our Lord and Savior is sometimes there's places in our life we... We like to hide the light, right? All this other stuff I got taken care of, but there's this little dark area. <laughs> there's this thing I don't want anybody to know about that I've been carrying. There's this unforgiveness. There's this hurt. There's this habit or hang-up that just has consumed me. Can I remind you, the only way that light disappears is, that darkness disappears is if you introduce light into that area of your life. I encourage you today, maybe it's just during that song in these few moments, so you want to just come down some time in prayer with just you and the Lord or with somebody and just say, God, there's a place in my life I, I've got to introduce <laughs> the light. I've been shielding it. I, I've been hiding it. And This Christmas season, I, I want to make those things right with you. It's a wonderful time, and there's such power in the imagery of this, but, you know, Christmas Eve, one of my favorite traditions, and maybe some of you, things that I remember all the way from the child, will close out the service and Somebody will sit with a single candle and we'll sing Silent Night and they'll light another one and they'll light another one and it'll make this, this place will be illuminated and it'll be beautiful. And I want to remind you, what that represents is just the power of the gospel, the good news of the Christmas season, going from one person to another person, bringing light into the darkness of this world. And just to encourage you and challenge you, I think one of the things that we have lost of late has been the reminder of the power of what difference your light means in the darkness of your sphere of influence where God has placed you. Somehow we've let the culture and we've let our fears remind us and make us feel like, hey, we're not a city on a hill. 
we've taken that light and we've covered it and we've hid it for fear of offending or fear of being misunderstood. And can I just remind you this year, may we be renewed in the boldness to share the message that Isaiah shared almost 3,000 years ago, that Jesus came to an unexpected place to an unexpected people to bring light into the greatest darkness and he's the hope that he offers to you. And friends, the light of that gospel lives within us. May we have the courage to share and invite and see what God would do. So as we close out this morning, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing and can I just encourage you, these moments are for you. This is your time with you and the Lord. If God's speaking something in your heart, respond, come. If you'd like to know about a relationship with Jesus, come down. And let's continue to celebrate this unexpected truth. Father, today we just thank you for the power and truth of Isaiah chapter 9. We're 700 years before the event. God, the Spirit led Isaiah to say, this is where it's going to happen. This is the people it's going to happen to. And God, rather than doing what made earthly sense and going to Jerusalem and setting up an earthly kingdom in such a powerful way, says, no, I'm going to come to the place in the world who has been forgotten. For the people who are without a homeland, without hope, who are constantly under fear and attack, God, that's where I'm going to come to share the good news of the gospel. So God, today, that's the news you want to share with us. And may the wonderful name of Jesus give us freedom, give us hope, and give us victory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.